We want to explore all sports and competitions on a deeper level in order to understand the less mainstream topics and events. We here at Deep Dive Sports not only want you to walk away having learned something, but for us to have learned something new as well. Now don't get us wrong, we will do our best to cover the big events, but our main goal is to give you a different perspective on some of the overlooked sports and competitions across the globe. We hope you're ready to learn, laugh, and have fun, because we are excited to bring you this podcast. Please sit back, relax, and dive deep into these topics with us. Hello, Deep Dive Sports fans. How's it going today? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Scenes in Sports, a show where we interview different sports professionals. In today's episode, Dom and I are joined by Mr. Thomas Dick, who is an Assistant Director of Communications at Texas A&M. We'll have a few questions about both his position at the university, as well as his own podcast called Loose Lug but before we get into the question, I'm going to hand it off to Mr. Thomas Dick to introduce himself. Howdy. Uh, yeah, thank you for the uh, introduction. First of all, the title is Assistant Communications Director, uh, Texas A&M University. So I handle uh, media relations, internet, uh, social media for Texas A&M uh, baseball and women's soccer teams. Been doing that for 10 years and before that, I did the same job for six years at the University of Texas, which is uh, our rival. So I went from being a T-SIP to an Aggie. Um, and then, uh, God, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm a graduate of Ball and Walls College, uh, graduated in 95. Went to graduate school at Georgia Southern University, basically, because I couldn't find a job out of college. And then uh, worked at the Atlanta Olympic Games, did an internship at UNC Wilmington, North Carolina. I worked for two years at New Mexico State and then worked six years at Monmouth University um, in New Jersey. And then uh, here I am. If anyone listening to the podcast has any questions about both your position at Texas A&M or the podcast, how can they reach out to you? You can email me at uh, tddick at athletics.tamu.edu is the the best way to get that. Uh, I don't chase clout, so I don't have a, a Twitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, if you want to listen to Loose Lug Nuts uh, podcast, you can. We have a uh, our Twitter's Loose Lug Loose Lug Nuts Pod, and then our Instagrams. I guess some schleps got Loose Lug Nuts podcast on Twitter, or maybe it's over the character limit. I don't know why, but uh, so that's that. Awesome. Now on to our questions for your uh, position at Texas A&M. So for the first one, and this is kind of a two-parter, uh, how did you decide that you wanted to be a part of this communication slash media field? And how did you end up at Texas A&M? Well, it, like when I first started it, it was at Baldwin Wallace and working for Kevin Rubel. And as a, as a little kid, I liked reading about sports. And my favorite Christmas gift every year was a... Uh, World Almanac, and I didn't read any of the World Almanac except for the sports section. So I really like stats and stories and stuff. And at Baldwin Wallace College, that's what that job was, is you dealt with stories and you dealt with stats. Awesome. And how did you end up at Texas A&M again? <laughs> it was a, a long story. Um, I, I was at, I probably should start, my first like full-time head position was at Monmouth Museum assistant ad for media relations and this school had like 23 sports and there were two of us working and it was a lot of sports and i had a lot of coaches that would 
bitch at you about a lot of stuff. And I was like, I don't know that I like this small school stuff. So I had a friend actually who worked at Baylor and he was like, Hey, there's a job opening at Texas. You should try going there. So I did a phone interview and at the time it was actually for a, a softball volleyball. I was like, shit, I'll do it. And I, uh, took that job. And as I was driving down, the baseball guy quit, you know, like, Hey, <laughs> they called me up. I was actually drove to Ohio to get my dad because he was going to drive down with me. And that's when they called him and said, Hey, you want to do baseball? So I was like, yeah, I'll do baseball. And the baseball coach there was Augie Green, the baseball coaching legend. There's like three or four college coaches who are regarded as the best. And he's one of them. Shit. Work with Augie Garrido. I would definitely do that. I ended up, uh, being the baseball contact there for six years. I also worked secondary men's basketball, so I got to work with Kevin Durant and Tristan Thompson. But then they uh, they they decided to start a, a thing called the Longhorn Network. And uh, the Longhorn Network, I knew it was going to be a lot of work, and I tried to tell my boss it was going to be a lot of work, and I tried to tell my boss it was going to be a lot of work. He's like, oh, it's not going to be a lot of work. Well, it ended up, I was there for one year while the Longhorn Network was there. And it was 10 to 15 hours a week that we were told them I was, I was no look for another. So we parted way. It's funny because uh, when I left there, their three biggest rivals each had a baseball opening, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas A. Texas A&M was going to the Southeast Conference, and I wanted to see. Sounds like a pretty cool, interesting yeah, it, it, is, it is. If you could ever go watch Southeast Conference baseball at LSU or Arkansas, then it's uh, it's a pretty intense app. It's fun. Oh, I'm sure. Dom, Dom, you want the next question? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what advice would you have for anyone that's looking to either get into broadcasting or communications or anything media related? Um, my first thing is um, don't get into the industry to get rich. <laughs> They're not going to pay you much. Um, I mean, I, I make a good living now, but starting out, UNC Wilmington, $1,000 a month. You can't even tell a kid to do that nowadays, though. Like, they just won't do it. And that's why they're struggling to find new up and coming people. You're not going to get rich. And then it's not hard work, it's a lot of work. So you have to be prepared to work a lot of hours, but mm-hmm. you're not digging ditches. So it's true. It definitely could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Where do you kind of see the future of the communications and media industry kind of really going? Well, I mean, it's all social media these days. I've, Starting to learn stuff I'd never thought I'd have to learn. Like, I'm probably going to have to soon start learning how to cut video, which is weird because that has nothing to do. But if I'm on the road and our social media person can't help us do social media and I need to get video out, I have to learn how to, to cut video and do some other stuff that I don't like it, but it's what I have to do until I <laughs> find something I like. So, there. Um, I just, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's it, it, my boss at, uh, Texas A&M, Alan Cannon's a legend. His favorite saying, and I think he said it before Jim Valvano, is just survive in advance. So I'm surviving this section and advancing onto them until maybe I won't have to cut video media stuff. And I just hate the reason I'm not in marketing or fundraising is I don't like begging for money while I don't like begging for likes. And- mm, I, think, I think that's fair. Um, so the next question, you know, you've been in the media, you know, world for quite some time. Um, but I'm sure you have some cool stories. Are there any that kind of stick out to you that you've experienced on your, on your media journey? I guess. I mean, nothing really stands out like super well. I just enjoy the, 
And, and to me, it's some of the smaller athletes. Like I worked with Kevin Durant, not my favorite person to work with, but just some of the, especially on the women's side, like Shea Groom, uh, she plays for Houston Dash and, uh, Last year, uh, the Guardian, the United Kingdom named her like one of the top 100 soccer players. And the, the fact that she knows that I I wouldn't put her in a bad situation. I could ask her to do anything in the world right now, and she would do it. So the fact that she has that much trust in me, and there's many other student athletes like that, I think that's the thing I like the most. The fact that I've been able to, to earn their trust and to show them that through their four years at wherever we're working, I'm just looking at this. It's, it's fun getting a group of kids as freshmen and just seeing their four years through and how they grow. And like a lot of these kids are the NIL is big now and they think the money is everything, but the, there's so much other stuff that you get that doesn't show up in your checkbook as a, a student athlete. I think the smart ones realize they get the dumb ones don't <laughs> and the dumb <laughs> ones are looking for the NIL money. So. Now you did also mention that you were you had gone to the '96 Olympics. What was that kind of like? <laughs> that, I mean that 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 job that had nothing to do with media relations. I was working logistics, which is setup takedown. So I was at the Omni Coliseum, which is the old Hawks basketball, and they they were actually hosting volleyball there, uh, and it was the only venue that was used all 16 days of the Olympics. So we <laughs> if, this is the least sports job I've ever had inside of sports. My job, I just wanted to do it because I wanted to be at the Olympics. So my mm -hmm. job was I sat outside from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. at this, they called it a sally port, and it was all the, none of the shipments could come into the Omni during the day. Uh, this was even pre-terrorism. They realized that's not a good idea, <laughs> have everything come in at night. So I would be the guy who, there was a group of us who would check the trucks, make sure the shipment coming in was the stuff that was supposed to be coming in. So we mm -hmm. would do that, but really coming in except for between like two and six. So from eight to like two in the morning, I was watching volleyball and I was uh, um, sleeping so that when I woke up in the morning, I could go watch other Olympic sports. So it was... I, <laughs> It was a job where I got paid a lot of money. Like I got paid more per month then than I've ever gotten paid more or uh, before or after. Like I was getting like six thousand a month for six months, and it was basically because it was a temporary job. So no one was going to take that job knowing they weren't going to have a job. But as a college student, I knew that I wasn't going to have a job either way. <laughs> so I might as well be getting paid a lot of money. So yeah, it's it's nice to say you worked at the Olympics, but it wasn't really. I wasn't doing communications, but it, it was a good learning experience. And I, I that was actually, I've worked with Bill Walton uh, since then, but that's actually the first place I met Bill Walton because he, he was doing uh, volleyball at the Olympics. And people kept stealing his stool. <laughs> he had a stool on the side of the court. So he came to me to ask if he could have a special stool. So I got him a, a special stool. So I was his stool guy. And, uh, I saw him a couple of years later, and he remembered me as the school guy. So that was. I mean, you gotta take whatever you can really get, even if it's not necessarily what you went into uh, for schooling, anyways. Yeah, I mean, and, and I I got that gig because I went to graduate school at Georgia Southern, and one of the reasons I picked Georgia Southern 
because at the time I knew that Atlanta was going to be hosting the Olympics. So I think if I was there, I can get a job working in the Olympics better than if I was. The other schools I were looking at were uh, Temple and Xavier. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I mean, those are closer to home, but it's good to get out. And that's the other thing. If you're going to get in the media relations, if you want a job somewhere in Ohio, you have to wait for someone in Ohio to either get tired of working or die. <laughs> that's basically <laughs> the way you jobs open. Like, and there's not, you think there's a lot of schools in Ohio, but there's not a lot of schools in Ohio that are willing to pay a lot of people. So your options are limited. Moving on to the uh, podcast side of things, speaking of like modern day things changing, stuff like that in the media relations field, what made you want to create this podcast and why NASCAR? <laughs> I, I've always been a, a closeted uh, NASCAR fan. It's just tough in Ohio because there's not many tracks nearby, like NASCAR sanctioned tracks. There's Michigan, which is it's like a three, three and a half hour drive. And if you go <laughs> into Michigan, uh, it's a pain in the ass to get out. I've only been there twice, and both times I was there, it takes like three hours to get out of that place. So you're looking mm. at a, a, a very long day to go to there. Used to have races at Kentucky. They don't have races there anymore. But, uh, Sunny, how COVID hits, and it was the uh, NASCAR was the only thing going. And I, I do the podcast with our men's basketball SID communications guy. We're sitting there watching NASCAR. We're like, you know, we know a lot about NASCAR. Like we should, we had been talking about it for a couple of years, doing a podcast of some sort. But we're like, why don't we do NASCAR? I was like, we know as much about NASCAR as a lot of these schleps that are talking about NASCAR. <laughs> so. One day, uh, like it was a week before the uh, Daytona 500, we didn't have a setup of any sort. We just set up a, a Zoom and we just talked about what happened at the Daytona 500. And and it's weird. We started doing it and then we realized how many people we know in NASCAR, which is shocking how many people. Like our basketball ops guy at A&M is Luke Hillen, and his dad is a NASCAR driver. He won the uh, Talladega 500 in, like, 1986, so he was actually the first guest we had on. And then when I worked at Monmouth, uh, one of my student workers, I, I'm bad <laughs> at keeping up with what former student workers were doing, but the one day I just saw on Instagram she was at a NASCAR event. I was like, whoa, what's Jen doing at a NASCAR event? And I looked it up, and she's a senior communications director at NASCAR. <laughs> I got her on it as guest, and then a couple other people. Just it, it's sort of weird because as my job now as a media uh, communications guy, like I filter interview requests, so you get a lot of schleps asking you to do interviews, and I'm the guy that has to turn those down. Well, for the podcast, I'm now one of those. So, so like I, I'm like trying to get interviews, and I I'm trying to requesting in a way that makes me sound professional I just started a podcast this year even though i am uh so that's been a, a weird little dynamic to be on the other side of the people i sadly have to like no uh coach will not talk to you you have a podcast that has four listeners so it's a, mm. it's a odd I, like i'm now on the other side of that it's sort of funny uh we've sort of what we've done, like the actual podcast, is sort of there's some comedy in there. We have some bits we do. Um, like anytime we don't know what a sponsor does, we're like, what are those wiener pills? Like that's a shtick sort of comedy. But the interviews are like serious. Hey, we want the listener 
to learn stuff. So you know, we don't just have drivers on. We've had pit crew guys. Like our best interview was a guy, Pat Gray, who was a former football player at Monmouth. Not when I was there, a couple of years after. And he's now a jack man. And like the most interesting thing and the thing where I learned the most was having him on just talking about everything that goes on in a pit stop. He actually had us out at the race at Texas Motor Speedway. And we got to be in his pit box uh, for the, he does both Xfinity and the Cup Series. To me, we haven't made money yet. We're still working on getting sponsors. But to me, the whole year was worth, you know, that weekend getting to see uh, what he does. That's awesome. All right. So moving on to the uh, the next question. Um, so, you know, we, we both kind of started podcasts within the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any recommendations for anyone that's also looking to start a podcast? Because I know there there's multiple ways to, to start a podcast, but it's not as easy as some people would think. Um, yeah, it, well, it's funny because like, we haven't made money yet. We're getting ready to hopefully try to get into the sponsorship deal. Although I did have, I, I shouldn't say we haven't gotten sponsors. Main and Tail actually sent me hair care products. Um, because we tagged him a couple of times in Instagram stuff. So I have like five <laughs> bottles of shampoo I got for free from me. I guess they're my sponsor. So I'll give a shout out to me and Phil. But, uh, it, it's, I used to read books. Like I, like since probably 2017, the last five years, I had read probably about 20, 25 books a year. Well, since I started the podcast, I now, since I want it to be good. Like I stopped reading books and I now print out NASCAR stories and take those home to to read. So like, I don't know if I've become dumber because I don't read books anymore, but I've read so much on NASCAR and I've watched so many NASCAR news thingies and I'll listen to other NASCAR podcasts. It's like, you want to sound like you know what you're talking about. So you want to listen, gather as much information when you are talking, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Even if you don't, sometimes uh, we don't, but we're able to fake it till we make it. Um. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the key to everything sometimes. <laughs> and you kind of talked about some of the, the interviews that you've had, and, but what are some of your other favorite moments while recording the show over the past year or so? Uh, well, there was one time we recorded a episode and Sometimes we do it in the office. We we try not to do it in the office. We definitely don't do it in the office during office hours. Like, but sometimes we're working right in where I'm like, hey, you want to record at 8? And then we're like, yeah, I can record at 8. So most times we record it in the office. But the one time we were both recording at home and we're sitting there talking. And then we started hearing stuff on the glass outside. And we just kept talking. And you can actually hear on the podcast, there's these loud thuds. Like, there was ended up being a tornado. <laughs> That was like 10 miles from our place, and we were getting hail. <laughs> the stuff we heard was the hail hitting our apart- uh, respective apartments. I got lucky I didn't get any hail damage. Evan's car had like 100 hail dents, so the next day he had to go find the hail dent removed. So recording a podcast during a hail, uh, tornado hailstorm was pretty cool. Um, other than that, the interviews, we've, uh, you know, just people I didn't think, as a NASCAR nerd, it's pretty cool just, we got to talk to Carson Hosevar, who's like an up-and-coming truck guy. And just the fact that he, I think he appreciated that we put effort into putting on a good interview. Like, even at the end, he's like, I, you know, I was expecting something different. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I listened to the episode. He's like, you guys sound a little clownish. I didn't know 
I didn't, I didn't know if I should do it. It's like, but it sounds like you. It sounds like you did a lot of research, and like I really appreciate it. And so that was taking that and, and showing that even though it doesn't make money right now, it's just a hobby. It's a fun hobby. It's got me, like I said, it got me a weekend free pass at a NASCAR race. A lot, a lot of money. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we'll see what it does going forward. Um, mm. You know, the, the sad thing is, I think in order for it to take off, I'd have to quit my job. And I just got my Texas retirement. I'm pretty far into Texas's retirement system, so I don't think I can afford to quit right now. It might mm. be amateur. It might be an amateur podcast. Right yeah, I mean, that's kind of like where okay. we're at in a sense, uh, where we also started at the beginning of the year with this whole thing. We're mostly just doing it largely, largely for fun. But on the off chance that we make some money from sponsorships or anything, we'll work on that too and get that done as well. Well, it's just so weird because like podcasts aren't new. Like there were podcasts 15 years ago and no one listened to them and very few people did them. And then I'm not sure where it came from, but like everyone started doing them. So it is, there is a, you're like swimming in a sea. Yep. <laughs> podcast and it's amazing just like the fact that they were ignored for so long and i'm not sure why i don't know what people were doing listening to yeah that's uh i guess that could be a different question for a different day yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can probably do a whole episode just on that topic alone yeah <laughs> um so going forward uh, what's coming up next on the podcast any big interviews planned or um that's actually what I'm doing. Like, Evan's lucky. He's at the Maui Invitational, which is actually in Las Vegas. So we couldn't book anything this week because he's either drink, losing his money or watching her. So working on setting some stuff up uh, in the next couple weeks. And the other good thing about uh, the Pat Gray, the Pitts crew guy, he is he's like, hey, I can get you a uh, I can get you a tire changer. I can get you a gas man. So he's working on getting us some more of those in. Uh, that behind the scenes stuff, but, uh, I've been talking to a couple up and coming. Uh, Blaine Perkins is a uh, guy who's going to be racing in Xfinity. We're looking to get him on the next couple weeks. And then a poor guy, uh, Rafael Lassard, really good truck driver. Uh, he lost some funding and then he, uh, he went, uh, they shuttled him back to Canada. He's Canadian. So he's agreed to come on in the next couple weeks. So we're going to talk about what, uh, there's actually a series up in uh, Canada called the Pinties. So uh, we're going to have him on to talk a little bit about NASCAR in Canada and America eventually after Jack Trudeau or whatever the Trudeau guy, uh, Justin Trudeau, <laughs> after, mm-hmm. after they get rid of that clown and let uh, stuff go back to normal up there. So I know this is probably a little shorter than what you probably were expecting, and I was hoping to get these questions out sooner to you and all that. Uh, you have any like kind of like final thoughts on the episode and stuff like that? No, I mean, uh, just, you know, I would say, like, as long as you love something, enjoy doing it, keep doing it. And, uh, like I said, just make sure that you, uh, you're doing the, the work behind the scenes so that when you come on, like people know that not only do you love what you're doing, but they, they see that you're, you're, you're intelligent about what you're doing and you're doing the hard work to, to get all the background in. I enjoyed being on. And if you ever got need me on again, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you again for, you know, taking time out of your, out of your day to join us. Uh, no worries. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's kind of like the whole point of behind the scenes in sports is to kind of like 
people see the main events like these NASCAR events, all these college sports events, all these professional sports events, and they don't really see the background people, the people in the background making these events really happen. And that's well, what it, 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 it's funny because it, you say that the Cup Series, like they were in town the whole weekend. My favorite race out of the whole weekend was the truck race, and there's there's like no fans at truck racing. Why? The tickets cheaper, mm. and every once in a while you get some of the good drivers in it, but the the actual action is better and like I don't know. And then like I've been to a Super Bowl before, but my favorite weekend I've had recently is. I just went to a Sam Houston State football game last week. They played Eastern Kentucky. There was like 10,000 people there. It was a nice sunny day, but I think it's because I don't like people. I was sitting in a section with no people in it, but I enjoyed a football game like I've never enjoyed a football game in a long time because, A, I wasn't working, and there was no one around me, and C, it was a competitive game. So, I mean, I would take that over going to a, a Super Bowl blowout game that's 49-3, to people sitting in my because they don't even care about football. They just want to see the Gaga perform at halftime. <laughs> so I just... <laughs> yeah, that, that that's kind of the whole point, was just to bring people who work behind the scenes and bring it to the forefront, I guess you could say. But yeah, the, I also want to say thank you as well for coming on to the show. And uh, to kind of end this episode, the, the show thanks you for coming on, spending time with us, and taking time out of your very busy day and all that and so listeners thank you for listening to another episode of behind the scenes in sports tune in for the next one but thank you again for listening and have a great day hey everyone thank you for listening if you would like to hear more feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every friday and don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on twitter Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please, let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.